Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of Digital Digital Get Down. Hey, we're getting down under. We have a very special three-peat guest now. It's a record. High in demand guest. Yep. Our wonderful friend Jen all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Again, and it's we have missed you terribly. By the way, I know we had some technical issues, but we're glad that you could be here. I'm also glad that I can be here as well. I am was listening to our last podcast that we did right before we left Australia, and we talked about one of the movies that we're going to be talking about today. And I told you you should watch it, and you were like, "Oh, I guess I'll have to see it." That's right. Which one was it again? Spider Man Homecoming. Because the two of you hadn't seen it, and I had yeah. seen it, and I was like, you guys should really watch it. Yes. And it was, no, it was really, really good. And one of the two of you listened to me, and it was not my husband. I eventually watched it. Because I forced you to. Yeah. That's what marriage is. Anyways, Jen was a nice friend and actually took my advice and watched it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll get to that a little bit later on, I suppose. Okay. Um, do you have any updates from... Uh, from Australia. How's then? Melbourne? How's the Australian Open? What's the what's the tempo like? It's um, thrilling as always. Um, I'm only vaguely associated with it because <laughs> I see people on my commute going there. Um, it's it's apparently amazing. I keep on because I, I I read the news and I the sports things always interrupt the real news, so I see yep. bits here. But I did see uh, last weekend it was quite hot here and the on-court temperature got to around, I don't know, I think it was around 50 degrees Celsius. Jesus Christ. So you think it was, uh, no, they were making 69 jokes. I think it was 69 degrees Celsius. How is that possible? That's like 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, I think I think they were, they were measuring though the temperature of the actual cement. At the core, oh, yeah. fair enough. Okay. But it was very, very hot. And um, I think it was Djokovic was playing a French guy and the French guy was like, this is insane. And Djokovic was like, suck it up, bitch. And then he almost <laughs> died of heat exhaustion as well. So that almost backfired. Our first, and, um, um, our first Australian Open, our first year in yeah. Australia, it was the, the one that we went to was super hot and humid and Rafa like puked on the sidelines. So. Yeah. And now this year he's dropped out. Yeah. And we're still injury. in a fight about it because you jinxed him. I just said that I had a feeling you might lose. No, you said, I hope you lose. Mm. Yeah. Let's and then check he, the quotes. then he got injured. Roger's going to win, though. I like that you know more about the Australian Open <laughs> hundreds of kilometers away, and I'm about 10 minutes away, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, we'll have you back for Tour de France so that you can put everyone in their place. Sounds good. Like a plan. I feel like I should ask about Australia Day, but I don't want to say Happy Australia Day. Like, how was Australia Day? How was the Australianess this year? My Australia Day was wonderful because I stayed inside all day and left to get a coffee. And I think that was it. That was your advice to us the first year was um, just stay indoors. Stay indoors. Do not participate. It's nonsense. Who cares? Um, it's a contentious day over here because... The significance of it being January 26 is that it's the day the first fleet arrived uh, in Australia. So obviously, a lot of Indigenous Australians are not <laughs> like right that day. I wonder why. Right, Invasion <laughs> Day, right? That's what we're supposed to call it. Exactly. Um, 
And of course, you know, you would think, oh, well, why not make Australia Day the day where you celebrate when all Australians in all their many forms and nationalities come together, make it the day that we federated as a country, which is a great idea, except we decided to federate on January 1st, 1901. So we mm. can't celebrate New Year's Day and Australia Day on the same day because I'm pretty sure we would all die of uh, alcohol poisoning yeah <laughs> Can't, wasn't there like another day that you signed some shit that you could just call apology that? day when they said sorry oh no day? they would never do that okay. that's worse than changing the day from january 26th <laughs> yeah well it's like for american listeners i suppose it's kind of like a combination of our columbus day and fourth of july yeah like it's celebrated like fourth of july but it's kind of contentious like columbus day like we mm. celebrate columbus coming to the to the continent but it's the same kind of idea yeah. Think about the worst of each day and then combine it in one day, add Australians and heat and there you go. <laughs> so you survived Australia Day. I guess that's how I should I should ask. Painting. And once again, I'm lucky in that I was rusted off, so I didn't even have to leave the house, which is great. Awesome. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I sent you this thing. I thought it was very relevant to your interest. Did you ever try the Google Arts and Culture thing to see what painting your face looks like? No, because I'm too afraid. But maybe... <laughs> Yours actually was spot on. The first one was, not the second one. Yes. I don't want to get... Go ahead. I don't want to get... I saw one girl. She got... Um, oh, one of... I forget what they're called now. The Spanish kings who were painted by Van Dyke. The <laughs> ones with the, the bad chin, the congenital chin. And she got that guy. And I was like, I don't want to get that guy. Well, I got a couple, like, very awkward Mary Magdalene's where they're, like, looking kind of up at the ceiling or up that. at Jesus. Um, but the one that I got, I don't even know who she is, some painting from the Smithsonian that apparently is, a, like, 50 to 60% my face, so. Well, it was pretty good. Well, you I'm said gross to... when you saw it. Yeah, my a little husband bit. Here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> who would I match with? Maybe Jesus. I'd probably get Jesus. <laughs> Wait, I bet I can do it, um... With your face right now. Hold on. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a podcast first. Live. Hold on. Let me find the app. Oh, boy. This is going to work. You closer to the screen, Jenny. Even closer. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> glasses on or off? Uh, does does anyone wear glasses in paintings? Not many. Camera. This is it. Oh, this boy. I think it is going to be Jesus. <laughs> um. Hmm. It was quick. That was a quick app. You got Countess Samolov Simolova. Okay. You got a Countess and well, a bunch of Indian chicks. <laughs> Russians and Indians is what I'm getting here. What's better than Jesus? Here, this was your 69% match. She's like a Countess. Oh, well, I won there. That's pretty good. And yeah, you keep getting this um, Raja Ravi Varma lady too. So apparently you look like a Hindi woman. Okay. Yes, I can see it there. So you don't think about it until you see the picture you're matched with and you're like, you know what? I do kind of look like that. Yeah. That is on. I think that's a new profile picture for you. And here's a very um, something in French. Young woman. Oh my gosh. That looks like a, a yep. Young woman. Yep. Uh, something I don't understand in French by Jean-Frédéric Charles. Yep, They're, they've always got bosoms spilling out of their chests and they're <laughs> swinging away. And it's 
sunny day on a random swing under a tree somewhere. Yeah, she's wearing far too fancy of a dress holding a golden goblet and some sort of flowers. You have to wonder how they managed without fashion tape back then. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that was thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to send these to you. That's going to become a new segment, I think. You think so? Yeah. We tried to describe uh, famous <laughs> art on an on a audio podcast. Maybe we could just do uh, an app test. We could. Either way, it's totally relevant, of course, like you say, uh, on a podcast, because we have to describe what's going on. Yes, audio only. Um, the other thing that my other update for this week, aside from the wonderful Jen being right in front of us on our screen here, mm-hmm. is that I watched basically all of that um, marvelous Mrs. Maisel show. Mm. Has that has that been in Australia at all? No. The first I heard of it was uh, the win at the Golden Globes, and I was like, hmm, "That sounds yeah. cool." So it's an Amazon's Amazon show. Just taking, taking over so you guys don't have Amazon yet. Nope. Um, just got the Amazon store like a couple of months ago, literally. Yeah, so this is like Amazon Prime Video or whatever. I think we're probably about, what, 10 years away from that? Is probably. That well, I was wondering if, like, Stan or one of those other, like, um, distributors would have picked it up. Well, Stan has just got the U.S. office, hmm. so... They're a little bit behind. We're a little behind. Yeah, fair. Um, anyways, I just finished it. It was only, like, eight episodes, ten episodes. I wouldn't know because you watched it without me. You told me you didn't want to watch it, even though I told mm. you you'd like it. Hmm. Um, anyways, it was really cute. I liked it a lot. It mm-hmm. was a um, very weird um, tone. It almost felt like you were watching theater. You said it was like Mad Men, and you hate Mad Men, though. Um, yeah, but... It, hmm. Mad Men... Mm, no, like, mm. a more theatrical version of Mad Men? Like, okay. there was lots of... They didn't sing, but there was lots of, like... Like, a song was playing in the background, and they had these cool montages, and they've got all... It's supposed to be in, like, the 50s, so they've got a lot of, like, 50s, like, outfits and apartments and... Um, it's, it's about a woman who wants to be a stand-up comic. Right. And she's actually, like, she's, like, a stay-at-home wife and, and mom, and her husband tries to be a stand-up comic, and she's terrible. He, he's terrible, and she ends up getting drunk and doing it one time, and she's amazing at it, so it's kind of, like, her journey to try and be a stand-up comic and fighting, like, sexism of the day. Okay. That's very random and specific, but I'm sure it sounds good. I mean, it is good, obviously. Yeah, the main actress was really good, and, um, it kind of, like, went a little bit in circles in the middle, but like mm-hmm. the beginning and the end where they're really focused on this like specific, like her doing comedy and kind of like shattering stereotypes was like really good. Okay. Anyways, I think well, you might I'll like check- it if it ever gets to Australia. I'll let you know in a couple of years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll check back in. <laughs> um, did you prepare news this week, Jen? Hmm. You know, I, I did. I prepared news a couple of weeks ago and then I forgot my news. But I've just heard that in Paris they had to shut down the zoo because 52 baboons escaped. (laughs) Is that your good news or your bad news? (laughs) We do weird news now, too, so that can qualify. I think think it's good, bad, and weird. Okay. All right. That's just your three-in-one news story. And the good news is they've captured 48, but four are still at large. So (laughs) keep your eyes in Paris. Nice. I just saw something that was like um, some uh, a cow escaped her farm life and went to join a herd of bison. That's amazing. She's just living That's her life. A... Yep. Is um, that real? Yeah. Or... <laughs> That's not a punchline. 
No. There was like a photo of just this cow just hanging out with the bison. Hilarious. There are up to okay. 49 caught ba- baboons now. Oh, well, thank God for that. <laughs> Can you imagine driving in Paris and <laughs> shut down the roads? You're like, why? What's going on, guys? Uh, yes, well, baboons escaped from the zoo. <laughs> You're shitting me. That's not real. It's, well, it's literally a scene from Jumanji. Like, it's straight out of Jumanji. Okay. Um, Jumanji my- 1, not Jumanji 2. My assistant in the room has pulled up another news story that says, I can only read the headline. Donald Trump asks Guggenheim Museum for Van Gogh painting is offered gold toilet Stop instead. stealing my good news, Stephen. <laughs> um, the best thing, you missed the punchline of the story. The, the title of the like modern art ex- exhibit of this gold toilet is America. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was one of my newses. Love it. Yes, so he has offered a gold toilet instead. A toilet that people could have the choice of actually shitting on in the exhibit. Like, you had the choice of going to see it, or you had the choice of actually using it as a toilet. In public, oh, you have to use it, though? They had, like, behind, they had, like, a behind a door. Huh. See, my student self as being like, that's amazing. That's so, that's, that's just the best idea ever. I would get such a high mark for that if I submitted that in mm-hmm. studio. It sounds like it would be at the, what was it, the MoMA in, yeah, in Hobart. They had some funky stuff. Anything involving bodily fluids or nudity, perfect. And if you can combine the two. Yeah. And then when yep. you make the title America. Yep. Spot on. Oh, it's sublime. Spot on. <laughs> that was one of my newses. Um, related to that. One of my good news is Related this week. to shitting or... Related to shitting on Trump, specifically. Oh, I see what you did. Um, I, I don't know if I even told you this, Jen. I have a new, like, second job, kind of, that I'm teaching some, like, after-school science and engineering classes to kids. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so I go around to different schools, and, like, we have different... We do, like, robotics or, like, you know, they, like, little um, engineer, like, they make different things, um... Perfect. That's kind of what you're doing in uh, Melbourne at Science. Yeah, Works. basically. But now I just go offsite to the school, so it's like a little bit more stressful because I have to like go and get to a school and set up like in a classroom and clean it up. Mm, yeah. But um, the kids. I was at a primary school, so the kids were kindergarten, first, and second grade, and um, we had a discussion about Trump. <laughs> and nine of the ten kids in the class hated Trump. These are six-year-olds, like year one. And they were talking about how he seemed really mean and how he lied all the time and how they didn't like him and how Hillary lied sometimes, but she seemed nicer. That Those are some woke six, six-year-olds. <laughs> right? So I was, I mean, obviously they're just, their parents are having a discussion with them, but it gave me like hope for the future that there was only one kid that was like, I like Trump. I like his decisions. And all the other kids were like, why do you like Trump, Augustine? That's stupid. Yeah, Augustina, what the fuck? So I hope just, you changed his name for the sake of this podcast. The, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, anyways, so, but it gave me hope because, like, I was like, you know what? Like, probably, like, legally for my job, I should not be bringing up, like, politics with children because they're going to go home to their parents and be like, my teacher said that she hates the president. But the kids brought it up and they were the ones that were saying, like, we don't like him. He seems really mean. He seems like he lies all the time. Is it, is it now like, you know, in sitcoms and shit, in, when, when adults go to primary schools, 
they're worried about being asked about the birds and the bees. Is it now they're worried about being asked about Trump? Probably. Six-year-olds and they're like, oh my god, please don't mention politics. I think the best thing was that they asked me who I voted for and I told them that I voted for Hillary and then they told me who they voted for. Yes. Love so it. they must have done like a mock election in school or something, but it was not like, oh, in our pretend election, they're like, yeah, me too. I voted for Hillary too. <laughs> Excellent. And they Excellent. must have been like, you know, it was like last year even, so they were literally like in kindergarten and first grade. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And one of the girls told me that her second favorite president is Barack Obama. Her first favorite is George Washington. Classy pick. Well, she's going to go far in life. Uh, she could be the president. She could be the president. She is on top of her shit. Leslie No, Kindergarten Leslie No. Pretty much. She runs that classroom. <laughs> and she's the only girl in the engineering club out of like 12 kids. So, What a legend. Yeah, she is a legend. You go, Sophie. Well, you never know. Sophie might actually improve internet speeds in Australia one day. So, <laughs> okay. um, do it. Do you want to do a good news? I have two other like Hollywood-related good news. Well, my biggest one was bloating about Roger Federer, but we already got that out of the way. Yeah. Um, my other good news is that did we watch mm, the Mighty Ducks with Jen? I thought you're stealing yeah. my news too. We did watch that with Jen. Yeah. Because we live in Minnesota now. Right. There's lots of connections. Uh, it's Fargo and Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I would There's say no it's closer to Mighty Ducks. <laughs> um, so the news is that there's a TV show in the works. Yeah, I saw that. But like most of these news stories, it has no network confirmed yet. <laughs> Someone decided it might be a good idea to announce a new story. And Emilio Estevez is also not confirmed yet. Oh, fuck him. Come on, Emilio. So we'll see. Maybe they'll be filming right down the street, though. Maybe I'll be an extra. Yeah. Um, Just hang out in the snowiest, coldest streets mid-morning, and then you never know. They might have a film crew out there. I mean, we'll just have to go around to one of, like, the 12,000 local skating rinks that are around here. (laughs) So you need to come visit because we have one that's, like, walking distance from our house now, and, like, the town, like, maintains it, and you can just walk over. I haven't actually been skating since Jen. Um, you were supposed to practice. I know, I know. But you know what? Steve visited, and then he was like, "You should do something that's more relevant to your local oh. area." It's kind of like. Does Australia thing. even send up, a Steve. team to the Winter Olympics? Do they have a team? I have no idea. I don't think so. That's terrible. That's- I think they have local ice hockey teams and things like that. Who do you root for in the Winter Olympics? Do they not even show it on TV? Yeah, they do. They um, don't have equestrian or rowing. We do, uh, we do downhill skiing because there was a girl who did quite well a few years ago and she um, started selling gum afterwards. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Australian dream. But that's what I took away from it. Yeah. I'm going to ask Siri has Well, Lindsay Vaughn is a really famous um, skier won. and she's from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Steve. You can keep ice skating if you want to ice skate, Jen. Follow your dreams. I was like, what are you suggesting? Surfing? Can you picture me surfing? <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> they have participated in every Winter Olympic Games since 1936. Thank you very much. They have okay. speed skaters. They were terrible in the early years, it says. Oh, no, there was that famous speed skating guy that everybody fell, and that's why he won. Wasn't that an Australian? Yeah, he was. Steven something. 
Uh, hmm. And they're good at moguls, apparently, too. So there you go. Lots to look forward to. I do remember every single Olympics opening ceremony I've ever watched, there's a large Australian presence, whether it's Winter Olympics, Commonwealth, or the proper Olympics. So I think we just like to be there. So much shade, Jen. Winter Olympics is also the proper Olympics. Yeah, but it isn't. <laughs> it is for us. That's keep the ones mind, we're good at. Keep in mind the Olympics make no sense for Australia because the right. Winter Olympics are coming up and you're sweating your balls off. Exactly. Figured it's balls. It is muggy and 27 today and I'm unhappy. And I'm, not, I'm unhappy as well that now 27 feels hot to me. Hmm. It is currently um, one degree here, Celsius. Sounds ideal. And it, it was nice because it was above above freezing today. So, balmy. Oh, it was a balmy one degrees. So that's why I never knew how Sydney hosted the Olympics. How do they have the Summer Olympics if the seasons are backwards? Good question. Mm. I guess though, even if it was held in winter, and I don't think it was. Um, Actually, I can't remember. I was 10 when it was here. Mm. So I, thought I, months, I thought I, I think read they that they like, pushed it back. It was yeah. like in September or something. Our winter, nonetheless, would probably be some country summer anyway. So sure. Sydney winter, maybe. Maybe not Melbourne, but... Yeah, well, Sydney winter. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? I had two other good newses. Go for it. One of them, both Hollywood related. One of them is that James Franco did not get any Oscar nominations for his ridiculous movie. Yep. I saw that. So I was happy about that. Um, the other one we were writing. You think on, it was all based on allegations or because the, the Academy realized that was just a, too weird of a movie? Because it's too weird of a movie and I mm. can't even look at the trailers of it. Have you seen the trailers for The Disaster Artist? Yeah, I actually really wanted to, wanted to see it because my friends and I used to go and see The Room. Mm. So just I don't see how it's relevant to anyone who hasn't seen The Room, though. Like, if you've seen The Room and you do that whole thing, then fine. Right. But otherwise, yeah, that didn't mean it. Like that movie doesn't mean it. No, we weren't hip me. enough back then. So no, I'm not hip either. I only know hip people. They occasionally take me along to things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, my other good news: we were kind of like shitting on Jessica Chastain the other week. Hmm. Well, yeah. She just okay. seems to be like the kind of most boring white person ever, and I've seen her on talk shows, and she just like she is how I would think I would be on a talk show, and I mean that in the worst possible way. <laughs> there are some people who are, you can have you can have different types of actors. You can have actors who are both actors and entertainers, and then you have just people who are very, very good at suppressing their own personality to pretend to be someone else, and they're shit. Yeah. They can't be shows they're awful because they're either, they have no personality or they're too shy yeah so she just kind of has like the most like basic white girl personality on a talk show so we were kind of like ragging on her a little bit and she like hosted snl and i was like ugh. but i saw a really good news story about her this week okay she seems like someone who would be a white feminist yeah. and she actually there's this new story that came out that octavia spencer who was her co-star in the help yeah. Um, is starring with her in an upcoming movie and Jessica Chastain like had a conversation with her and found out like how women of color are paid so much less, even less than a white woman, which is less than a man. And she tied their contracts together and said, you don't get me unless you pay her the equal amount of money. Package deal. That's cool. 
So she actually, like, used her white privilege to, like, get her black woman co-star, like, equal pay. Well, that's, that's good. So that's, like, you know, walking the walk. Like, she's actually doing what she says she wants to do, you know? Hmm. But as my brother just pointed out, it's sad that it, that even has to be a thing. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous and sad that that has to be a thing. But it was nice that she wasn't just like, oh, that's sad and, like, moved on with her life. But she was like, that's not cool. We're going to fix this. Yeah. So she used her privilege to actually help someone who was, yeah. I think possibly as well, the more often that people are doing it successfully, the more people feel like it worthwhile for them to do because you it's a it's a bluff i mean they could just say well you're both fine right but i think time it's happened what was another one it was um i can't think there's it's there's been a few cases of that, and each time they've been successful and they've worked or they've at least got publicity and bad publicity for the studio so right. yeah so anyways i just thought that was a nice that was like a proper that's like how to be an ally yeah. kind of thing like she, because she talks a lot about being a feminist, and she seems a little bit annoying, but apparently she actually is doing it right. Is she the one in Molly's Game? Yes. Yeah, I want to see that. I heard it was good. I haven't actually seen it. With the underground poker, that yeah. one. Oh yeah. But she is just a very good actress. Oh yeah. 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 Um. Um. It was a talk show, and it had uh, one of the guys from Dunkirk in it. He's the mm-hmm. one with the really blue eyes. He's also in Peaky Blinders, and he was extraordinarily awkward. And sorry, I can't remember his name. <laughs> extraordinarily awkward and quiet. But he was another one. I just think that he he acts, and that's about it. Yeah, like, yeah. We've been watching the uh, the Graham Norton show, which Australia got us hooked on. And there's some people yeah. who go on that show, and you're like, wow, I could watch this person talk, you know, for 24 hours straight, and then. Like, Zach, Zach Efron was on this last one, and he had no idea what to do with himself. No, but he's fine, because he's adorable. Oh. He relies on that. Yes. I remember the time he was on Graham Norton, they got him to do a sideways plank on a stripper, on a stripper pole. Yes, they referred back to that this time. All he brought this time was a spit bubble on his tongue, was his highlight. Very strange. <laughs> oh, my God. Such Adam Sandler was also so awkward on that yeah. show. I think Americans don't quite know what to do I with Graham I think the Americans are always jet-lagged as part of the issue because they fly them out there. I just think they don't know what to do with Graham mm. Norton. Like, they probably haven't grown up watching Graham Norton, and they're just like, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> they have, like, high-profile American celebrities. He does it deliberately because it's hilariously entertaining. So he'll get, I don't know, Zac Efron or Snoop Dogg on and then put an obscure British comedian yes. at the only point. <laughs> always. Scene and Dame Judi Dench, usually. Yep, she's always there. British act, uh, actor, and it's freaking hysterical because the entire time Graham Norton's talking to the audience is like, So, guys, you know, you buy that thing at the supermarkets here in the UK, and then they always stop to self consciously describe what it is they're talking about to the American. The American's like, Okay, that's nice, tries to participate. It's hilarious. It's one giant joke. On the Americans. I've, and Australians and uh, Brit- British people watch it with gusto because it's, it's amazing. I love Graham Norton. It's I think one of my favorite episodes was um, Marianne Cotillard, who you hate. Oh, yeah. Um, was her. It was a her, an Australian, and a Scot. And she just had and another, a different Ameri- and another American as well. So it was like all different accents. And she, her face the whole time was just like polite nodding. She did not have a clue what the Scot or the Australian were saying any of the time. 
yeah, I'm saying there's episodes. And like excellent. multiple times they were like, oh, did you get that? And she was like, no, I'm sorry. And like, I even struggled with some of the Scottish accents because they were mm. turning it on, obviously, because like you said, it's a joke on the other people, but. That's why they have to I give them like booze it. on that show. Yeah. There's one guy called Kevin Bridges and he's got a very, very thick Scottish accent and he takes the piss out of people who can't understand him. And it's hilarious too, because he'll just switch into his fake British accent. You wouldn't know it. You would think he's from Eton or something like that. And then he switches back into a Scottish accent and he's in his stand up. He mentions that he, uh, he dials it up for people just to see how they'll react. Did you see that um, Harry Potter is being published in Scots? No, I didn't. I thought I would have thought it, it already had been. I, she published it in Celtic, didn't she? I think so. I guess it's like it's it's uh, this is its 80th language. Was like I saw it on NPR. That was like go. It was being published in Scots, and like there was a, the guy who was a translator did like a, re- a reading of part of it. It was really funny. That's cool. Is that on Duolingo too? I don't think Scots oh. is on Duolingo. No. They have Gaelic on there. Hmm. I tried. I have no idea what's going on. They have a lot of language now. I briefly tried um, Japanese because of Yuri on Ice, and then I briefly tried Norwegian because of Scam. Well, I'm 37% fluent in Spanish, so. Sure you are. I know a few adjectives. <laughs> um, did you have any other good newses? No more good did news, Did you have any no. bad news? I only have one bad news. Um, yeah, it was just another upcoming TV adaptation. They're going to do... Um, Margaret Atwood's The Mad Adam Trilogy, which we both read the first one and terrible, pretty lukewarm on it. So, I mean, obviously with The Handmaid's Tale getting a lot yeah. of acclaim, they're going to look to her other work to... It's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was the age I was trying to read it, but I read The Handmaid's Tale when I was a young teenager and then I moved on to another one of hers and I just, I didn't get it. It was it was the type of books that you would be forced to study in high school because it kept on changing the voice of the narrator and it was a little bit confusing because of that. So yeah. I don't know, maybe if I tried to read it now I'd probably get it a bit more, but otherwise Yeah, yeah. I didn't read the I didn't read The Handmaid's Tale until like after college probably. I never read it in school and I loved it when I read it because I was like in my like mid twenties probably when I finally read it. Formative years. 20s. Yes. Um and so we're, we're, we've been working our way through the show. This is not really a feel-good show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've tried, since that, I tried to read some of her other books, and some of them were okay, and some of them were just bad. Like, I really didn't enjoy them. Yeah, and this one, I don't know how, you know, what network would pick it up, because it's such a, a visual like story, like, futuristic. Maybe. Like, they would, it'd be a very expensive show to make, I think. Yeah. I think science fiction is often very difficult to adapt. Like, we were talking yesterday about Dune, um, yes. because one of us recommended to read the series and I mentioned that well it's already been adapted into the notoriously bad film with Patrick Stewart and Sting yeah and bad because I think those sorts of epic novels they're just they're almost untranslatable I'm reading the foundation series by Isaac Asimov at the yeah. moment and apparently similar thing a lot of people have tried to uh put that into production and they just can't think of a way to do it yeah I am um, I read Dune have you read Dune no, it's next on my list. We mentioned Steve earlier. That's like his favorite book. So I read it one time. Friend it's... of the show. No, he's not. Yeah. I don't even think he knows about the show. Um, shout out to Steve if you're listening. Um, I've read it. I don't think you would like it, Ben. 
No, I don't think I. No, I think it's everything have you would hate. Years left to get through it. No, it's like fantasy and political intrigue, and I think you would just yeah. hate every second of it. It's Wait, very it's science slow. fiction and fantasy and political intrigue. I guess more science fiction and mm. political intrigue. It's really slow, and I don't think you'd like it at all. Mm. You can enjoy it, it's Jen, but yeah, I think yeah, it's very long. Well, I enjoyed it in the like overall, but it was very kind of like. A little bit of a slog. A slog? What's the word? A slog is fine. A slog to get through it. Yeah. No, fair enough. But then they used to say the same thing about Lord of the Rings as well, that it was, you couldn't adapt it into a feature film, and then Peter Jackson came along and did it. So I think it just needs the right person. That's fair. And, like, Lord of the Rings is the same thing. Like, the first book took me so many tries to get through because it's so slow in the beginning. You don't care about any of the characters. And then I now I really like it going back. It. And we were watching uh, because, you know, we're people who do this on the weekends rather than go out and socialize and do real things. We watched all of the extended features on the extended movie. That's wow. like one of my dream, like a dream weekend day. Oh, <laughs> God. You would never do that with me. It's amazing. Um, but they, they have people who are Tolkien experts discussing the narrative of the story itself. And it's you realize I, I, it made me feel better because I was like, well, that's why my 12-year-old self just couldn't deal with it in one go. I had to read it over the seri- a series of about a year and a half. Yeah, same. It's not a constructed narrative. It's like he's, um, for instance, the second book, you know how you've got Frodo and Sam go off and do their thing and then the, the remainder of the Fellowship go off and do their thing. He literally writes it like that. He doesn't do it, uh, George Martin, where he chops and changes between um, uh, chapters so it keeps your interest. He literally does fellowship. And then the second part of the book is Frodo and Sam. And it's not an engaging narrative. So I think... See, I loved the second book. The second book is my favorite of them. But the first book, I had such a hard time with it because he doesn't try to draw you in. He doesn't give a shit if you want to keep reading or if you care about the characters. He's just like, this is the story. So many descriptions of rolling hills and barrows and so many goddamn songs. I was going to say the songs, Tom Bombadil. Yeah, anything in, in italics, I skipped. I still don't know what. <laughs> I finally, to get through it, I tried to start it, like, probably four different times when I was, like, in middle school. To get through it, I finally, like, basically skimmed the first 150 pages. So this is how you guys talk about books you love. <laughs> it just baffles me. Oh, God, and I love you- those books so much. Oh, God, they're awful. I really hated reading them. They were terrible. I skipped over I, all these parts. When Raissa asked me what she, how she should read them, I was like, skip the first 200 pages of the first book, read the rest of it, and then go back. If you like it, go back and read it. the 200 pages were the only part I liked. And the only reason I started reading The Lord of the Rings is because when my 12-year-old self saw The Fellowship of the Rings movie and fell in love with uh, Legolas, I wanted to know what Obviously, Orlando Bloom in middle school, he was such a hottie. So now, Blonde. long ago on this podcast, we talked about... Go ahead, Jen. <laughs> He's barely a character throughout the rest of the books. I felt so damn cheated. I was so angry. Well, the only reason I finally read the books was because I saw that movie was coming out and I was like, damn it, I'm going to get through this book because I like am a staunch like book before the movie person. So that's like I like skim, 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 skim until I cared about it and then started reading so I could finish it before the movie. Rule was I wasn't allowed to see the violent movies until I could prove I was old enough and mature enough to understand the content in the books. I was like, I just want to read more about Orlando Bloom. Oh boy, I was just saying that Amazon has the rights to Lord of the Rings now, which no one understands what they're going to do with it. Oh, they but better they're... not remake. 
So which do you think will be remade first, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? You know I, they're both coming down You know the track. my answer to this is, fuck all the remakes, give me a goddamn Marauder's story. <laughs> I vote for Harry Potter because I think the films were done... Very badly. They were done kind of very blockbustery. Yes. They were done... They were too disjointed. Can you hear him talking? Yes. And the, like, the changing directors and stuff made the tones vastly different, which makes it not really clear. Didn't Dumbledore series. die in the middle of it, too? Yes. Well, he dies at the well, end, R.I.P. Richard Harris. Yeah. Yeah. The actor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think... He died because he was a decrepit old man who smoked his whole life. I've been saying it for years. I want a I'm Harry Potter indie remake, BBC production. Hmm. I don't know. HBO. HBO would... <laughs> what am I saying, BBC? I'm stuck in the 90s. Heather, did you end up seeing that YouTube fan-made film? Um, no, I saw the trailer for it, but I didn't actually, like, see the rest of it. Okay, good, but I couldn't even get through the first five minutes because it's literally, no offence, like an American's wet dream of Harry Potter. <laughs> like, it's, it's one of those fans no who are insane. Like, you know, the, the sort of fan who's like obsessed with it uh, and they'd write all the erotic fan fiction about it they've done this thinking that it's a good film but like i don't know i didn't actually watch the end of it so maybe i'm wrong but like i couldn't get through the first five ten minutes because it was just so badly acted badly written it just did not draw me in at all i with the with the exception of um like a very potter musical from team star kid like i I'm so skeptical of any other sort of satire, even just like a song or something like that, because I just always, or like, okay, with the exception of Potter Puppet Pals and Team Scar <laughs> Star Kid. Other than that, if it's like some sort of parody, I will like maybe watch a little bit of it, but I'm so skeptical of all of it because it's usually just like, like you said, those fans that are like, oh my God, I've been writing fan fiction forever. I'm going to make this cool video and everyone's going to love it. And it's like, yuck. The other thing that makes it so stale is that you have to make satire when stuff is relevant. It's 10 years down the track. People don't give a shit about the whole Harry Potter fan movements, you know, lining up to get your but copy of the new book. The only people who care about that are the people who uh, lived through it the right. first time. And then if they're making satire about their own experiences, we heard all that satire 10 but years this ago. It's It's a theatrical plot. Yeah, I know. Like, it's not satire. But I think what you're trying to say is that, like, people still care about, like, making a joke about someone being a Hufflepuff. People don't care about, like, the deep dives. Like, to have, like, to have it be, like, a successful, like, the theatrical thing or to have it be a successful satire, you have to, like, have a lot of prior knowledge and background information. And, like, society cares about it at this point as, like, a punchline, not as, like, a deep dive. You need the momentum of the fandom as well. I mean, the fandom's pretty well established and it's kind of settled in its... Like, in its ways, we're all 30, 20, 30-something 30 now, so. <laughs> yeah. There are people who are fans first time around who, are, who have small children who are reading it. So yeah. I think Harry Potter, if it's remade in any form, apart from the, the movies that are in production now with the, um, what are they, the Newt Scamander ones. <laughs> exactly, the Fantastic Beasts ones. I think that a remake of the original seven books, it'll have to be taken seriously and done in a completely different way. Obviously. Are you inviting Jen to New York City with you to see the, the stage production? I got tickets for Cursed Child in New York. Ah, uh, eh. <laughs> I'd come I, to New York. Yeah, I'd rather have you come visit. I'm still kind of, I haven't read the Cursed Child book because I want to, like, from what I've heard, it's really well done visually, but, like, the actual story is kind of shit. 
So I'd rather see it on the stage just to enjoy it visually, even if the storyline doesn't make any sense, versus trying to like read the printed book of it. Yeah, of course. I saw a post on Tumblr about The Cursed Child, and it's the only way that I can now think of it as being part of the actual Harry Potter universe, is that someone believes that it's Rita Skeeter who wrote it. <laughs> okay. As like a story that doesn't make any sense, and it's completely utter crap. Yeah. That way. So yeah, I find the only value in it to be like the actual stage production because I've heard like the production value of it is really good. Um, I don't really care about it being like part of the canon of Harry Potter or whatever. Yeah, fair um, enough. That leads really well into my bad news though. My bad news is that um, the new Pokemon Go Harry Potter version oh, thing. Oh god. What? What are we going yeah. to be catching in the wilderness now? It's some sort of, like, Hogwarts mystery game, and it's meant to be, like, interactive, like, Pokemon Go, like, you have to go out and find shit. Well, they know their, their audience. I, Super games. I guess, but, like, I was even tempted to do Pokemon Go, even though I, like, d don't even care about Pokemon, just because everyone was doing it. It seemed really fun. It was basically, like, you walk around, you find little, like, digital animals on your phone, and you catch them, and then you have to, like, walk around to hatch them. I was like, I could potentially get behind that, even though I don't like Pokemon. This is the opposite. It's like, you have to care about Harry Potter so much. And it's, like, a mystery. Like, the whole point of Pokemon Go is you just walk around and find Pokemon. Like, there wasn't a plot line. Yeah, but these are the people who are the audience, target audience for Pottermore. They're people who, I, I don't do that. this. Go on. They get sorted into a house. They click on shit. I the last time I went on that thing was when it actually opened. I, I been on for got sorted and got my wand and then lost interest. And then I went back on, had to get a new password to get my Patronus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never got that far. And then I lost interest I, again. Anytime I forget my password for something, it's a sign that I don't need it in my life. <laughs> You could write a book. That could be the next, like, um, zen and the art of motorcycles or whatever, and it's, like, about losing your passwords. Decluttering your life. If you can't remember the password, it's not important to you anymore. Yeah. I'll take your bank accounts if you forget that one sometime. No, no, no. <laughs> Noted. Um, so we're already, like, almost an hour into this podcast. Should we start our real segment? Start the main segments? <laughs> yeah. It should be noted that we're not drinking wine, um... Two of the three of us are drinking hard liquor. Well, I yes. have old wine now. And you have old wine, yes. Barely wine that may have gone off. Well, it's 20 past two in the afternoon in Melbourne, so I kind of, I had just finished eating my breakfast and had a coffee, and then you guys were like, oh, hey, we're already a little bit tipsy, and I'm like, I should catch up. <laughs> That's always dangerous is when you try to catch up. Also, it is not my fault what time you slept to, because you specifically told me not to try and look at the time that you woke up today. Yes. <laughs> I got out of bed at about 11, 30, 12. Not yeah, gonna lie. That's not my fault. No, no. Well, it's my last Saturday sleep in. We have um, home opens from next weekend because they're selling our apartment. Mm. <laughs> what was that word? Home, home opens, not oh, hobo opens. I heard hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what are you doing then? Where are you going to live? Who knows? Maybe it's still here, depending whether an investor buys or not. If they sell it to an investor, they may want to renew our lease. Our lease doesn't end until end of April anyway, so we're looking. But, um, the, you know, there's never anything that you want at the time you need it. Yeah, so. of course. Well, we have a lot of listeners out there, so I'm sure we can send them in your direction. <laughs> uh, 
All right. I only to to Minnesota. You know, it's probably cheaper to actually live in New York than it is in Melbourne. They've recently just no. There was a thing that all of Australia's main capital cities are more expensive to live in than New York. Are you hearing this? So from my from my experience, Melbourne was about the same as Boston, and a little bit cheaper than New York, depending on where, obviously. Yeah. Also, life hack. Look, I'm balancing my gin. That is not a life hack. That is on top of water. Just shapes. (laughs) Just geometry. Okay, what What? movie are we talking about? We're getting real sloppy, and we haven't even started the main segment yet. Oh dear. What Oscar-nominated films with breakfast. are we are we talking about? Um, they are not Oscar-nominated at all. Um, which one do you want to do first? We'll let Jen pick. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I've seen Spider-Man more, so let's do Spider-Man. Okay, so the this is the movie that we were talking about um, last time Jen was on the podcast, months ago. Um, I had just seen Spider-Man Homecoming, and I recommended it. I wish everyone at home could see Jen's face when she just tried to drink gin after breakfast just now. Straight gin. It's very refreshing. <laughs> She's crying. Oh, this is going to be the least funny podcast to listen to, but I'm having a good time. Um, should we make Jen do the summaries again? Sure. All right, Jen, give us your summary of Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming. with Tom Holland. So, Spider-Man Homecoming is the only Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Whoa! Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and it's been about, ooh, five months since I last saw it. So, <laughs> oh, I saw it with Dad when I visited Perth last. You watched it again here. You do this no, every you, time we watch it. you again. watched it again, and then I was like, no, I've just seen it recently with Dad. I will go to bed. <laughs> so basically a high school story so with the usual things that happen clicks class study there's a girl involved are you gonna Um, be okay plus a teenage boy who's been infected by a radioactive spider can now shoot webs of things so just a typical high school story they don't actually mention the spider though, not really. No, well, it's the spider bite, but they don't focus on it at all. It's, it's because they did the origin story in the last in the uh, Captain America movie. Kind of. Yeah, it's they because did the they whole... realized that nobody wants to see Uncle Ben die for the five thousandth time. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I don't even know who Uncle Ben is. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, he's dead. Well, I know most of my. Uh, has no partner in the movie, which is why I do Robert Downey Jr. She's a widower. I mean, a widow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I can offer an interesting perspective on this because uh, first time I saw it was with Steve and my brother, um, who, and we went to see it at the movies. We really, really enjoyed it. And the second time I watched it, on the was recommendation from your fantastic friend who told you it'd be worthwhile. Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, and then I went to see it with my dad. Uh, I just I downloaded it or I, I paid for it legally. There you go, internet. Um, and my dad and I watched it when I last visited uh, my parents in Perth, and he did not enjoy it because he likes explosions. He likes your traditional Spider-Man movies, and he finds teen dramas boring. Mm. So it was an contrast. I still really really enjoy it, but a lot of humor. It's very current. Um, like, you know, it's how my friends and I joke around, I guess. So I, I find the humour in it 
really funny. He's sitting there, sixty-something-year-old man. He's just not laughing the bits he should have laughed. So I felt let let down by my parent. I um, I that was what I liked about it was that it was like Spider-Man is like a, in high school. Like I liked that it felt like a teen movie that was also a superhero movie and not a superhero movie about a teenager. No, I really liked it. But dad was too old, I think. I think I sided with your father in this debate, so it's not just an age age game. It's not? Okay. Interesting. See the, see, the second time I watched it, I was a little bit less engrossed. I think it definitely was more... The first time you went, you had like a spiritual experience. You came home and you were just... I saw it in oh. IMAX. I think this was another movie that like is more dramatic in a theater. Oh, definitely, and I don't yeah. always say that about movies, but in the theater, I was like literally like in the fetal position of rocking in my seat for the second half of the movie because it was so was intense. Was it 3D? You don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I find every time I rewatch a superhero movie, the rewatch is not as good as the first time. And I don't know if it's just because of the way they make them. It probably is. Yeah. Like they make for the, like the shock value and suspense value if you already know what's going to happen. Exactly. The only one I can rewatch and enjoy is Age of Ultron. I'm talking about the most recent spate of Mafia. Yeah. And I think it's because um, I love James Spader. You love James Spader. I knew that was coming. Do and I think that the but the way they've written the um, the villain in it is is a little more complex. Although I will say, I really liked the villain arc in Spider Man. I really really love the fact that. It's uh, based in one suburb. It's it's as small scale as um, Spider-Man's life at that point, his life, Peter Parker's life. He's just a kid in high school, so he's not taking on the world yet. He's taking on Brooklyn. And so the villain Queens. is that scale. Oh, sorry, Queens, my bad. <laughs> what a Spider-Man fan. Brooklyn's Captain America. Ah, uh, that's where I'm getting confused. Queens then. Uh, but it's it's that small scale kind of villain. So he's a family man. He's just trying to make a buck for his family. He feels hard done by by the, the man. And so yeah. And also, who doesn't like? Uh, I forgot the name. Michael actor's Keaton. Name. Michael Keaton. But Michael Keaton. Keaton is meant to be Batman, or else Birdman making fun of Batman. He's not meant to be a bad. <laughs> Villain well, with wings. Well, I liked that. Well, he does have wings. Yeah. That's still a theme. Um, I liked that it was like, we often kind of joke about the destruction. Are you going to be okay, Jen? Yeah, that was stick number two of the straight gin. Um, if she dies, we're going to have to burn <laughs> this recording. Or show it to the DA. <laughs> um, I liked that. We, what was I even saying? Michael Keaton, villains. Oh, um, we often joke about the destruction that's kind of left behind from the Marvel Universe. And this kind of talks about that. Like, I liked how it was in the Marvel Universe, but it was like a kind of the opposite side of what we're usually seeing. It wasn't the perspective of the superheroes with the big fight. It was actually the perspective of, like, the little people that live in that area cleaning up of it. Like, that's how the villain gets started. Yeah. And it means the Marvel Universe that they've created this time around is more fully formed because you're... They're coming at it from all sides. So it seems a lot more real, I think, than in previous depictions. Well, my favorite part of the whole movie was the first five minutes, the opening um, montage where he's going into that. It's Captain America, right? The last one? Yeah. Where he's getting involved in that fight, and he's he has his iPhone camera or whatever, and he's on the private plane, and he's so excited. Like, I was really, really laughing throughout that, but then the rest of the movie didn't quite live up to it for me. 
But, like, that sense of humor. I mean, Tom Holland is, like, fantastic, I think. But, yeah. like, yeah, that kind of, like, teenage, oh, shit, look at this kind of, like, sense of humor is what I liked about the movie. I think it captured some of that kind of, like, teen perspective that gave, made it really fresh feeling compared to some of the other Marvel movies. Do you think that when people watch it in 15 years' time and they're old movies, it will date a lot, the humour, because of it? Because it seems like very... It's the humour that people use now, and humour changes a lot. Hmm. I would hope that it would be more like um, us looking back at, like, 80s movies, where it's, like, the the actual teen drama stays the same, but, like, the jokes like the jokes and the, the period stuff makes it almost, like, its own genre. Yeah, it's iconic in the way, I guess, that Breakfast Club, the way they interact together in the 80s was iconic. Right, because just because, like, we don't dress the same as them and don't have the same sense of humor as them, you can still watch them and it's still, like, the teen experience. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot the first time. The second time I still enjoyed it, but I thought mm. it did drag a little bit more the second time. Like, once I once I already knew the reveal, it, like, lost the shock value of, like, the villain reveal, and that took away a yeah, lot from there's it. There's just a little bit of odd pacing in the movie because, like, there's this big scene taking place on the Washington Monument which sort of feels like like the culminating action segment. But it's not. But then I looked up at the clock and I was like, there's like an hour of movie left. Yeah. So point, actually, those moments. There's the race through the back, the backyards. Yes. When he's first, yep. And then there's the Washington Monument and then there's the ferry. Mm. And then final scene that's my biggest complaints about the movie the physics of the movie like as a kind of sciencey person there's a certain level of suspended disbelief i can do in these type of movies but when you just solder together a fairy that was chopped in half and it just keeps floating and everyone's fine i call bullshit on that right i mean one word titanic if a little <laughs> iceberg can poke a hole in the hull of a ship then i'm sorry if you slice the fairy in half and then web it back together it? Yeah, but a hole compared to sliced and half fairy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a problem with that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to suspend my disbelief about the spider webs being that strong that he can potentially hold it together. But then when Tony Stark flies and it's just like, okay, everything's fine. See ya. I was like, bullshit. The movie lost me with the suit was one of my biggest issues. You don't like Karen? No. I'm so sick of, like, Siri, Alexa-esque humor, where it's like, okay. oh, I'm talking to a computerized thing. And Spider-Man is, I, I'm not a Spider-Man comic fan, but just in terms of the older sets of movies, it's never about the suit at all. Like, the webs come out of his hands, it's all a natural, as natural as it can get. And in this one, fucking Karen kept being like, do you want me to incinerate these people? And it's like, say <laughs> yes, if they're the bad guys, let's end this movie right now, incinerate them, Karen. But that was a plot yeah. point. It's not about the suit. If you're not anyone without the suit, then yeah. You don't but this is Spider-Man influenced by Iron Man. You don't like the corporate influence. And also, isn't John Favreau a bad guy in an Iron Man movie? I don't think so. You he's keep always talking. been I mean, happy. This really pissed me off. I meant no, to look it up. No, he's always been like the mm. assistant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. am I thinking of as the bad guy in Iron know, Man? I don't know, but too. it's not John Favreau. Um. Iron Man 2. I don't even think I've seen Iron Man 2. Yeah, see, if I'm right, oh, it's Mickey Rourke, maybe. Yeah, it's Mickey Rourke. Apparently. Okay, I take back some of my anger. Yeah, thanks. Um, I played Happy in that one as well. You're right. 
Spider-Man movie to not have a suit like that. That's the whole point of this first one being like that because he rejects the suit right at the end of the movie when he rejects to becoming an, an Avenger. Well, if you didn't catch that, Stephen just said that um, they're using the first movie to set up the second movie to say that he doesn't need the suit so much, so he'll he'll be more independent the suit it'll be different which is kind of what you feel i think with a lot of marvel movies there's the story at hand but then you're also very conscious of what they're hinting at to come yeah which i think is a huge amount of pressure on the culmination of it in the next uh proper avenger avengers movies so much is leading up to them i don't think that it's possible for them to live up to the the build-up that they've created throughout every single movie Plus yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy that they're going to attempt to merge. There is just going to be too many characters at this point, because now it's going to be Black Panther too. Too much, exactly. I watched the trailer for the first Avengers, uh, for part one of the new Avengers movies, and it looks great, but it looks like a great set of five different films. Sure. Like, it's yeah. just it's too much. It'll be, it'll be like to mention the elephant in the room, the new Star Wars movie. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Um, we... You've obviously missed our last few podcasts. I'll forgive you. We did see it. We saw it twice. I got a little bit of hate from some reviewers because I was a little bit negative about it. Well, let's get Jen's 30-second Yeah, what's your review? What's your review? <laughs> Stephen can chime in as he wishes. Laughed from beginning to end when we were watching in the cinema. Quietly, obviously, because I'm surrounded by Star Wars fans. Um, we were both laughing, but without the other person knowing that we're laughing about it. So I think that I left the cinema thinking... But we reached the end of the film, and, like, it went credits, and we both looked at each other, and we're just like, that was a fucking mess. Right. I think that the storytelling, the, the, the way that the director and the writers put together the story was incredibly flawed. Um, there were bits that I liked, and I think my opinion now is that it can be saved as a movie if the next movie makes sense of all the, the dead ends and the loose ends that they left in this movie. They address everything that was wrong because everything is salvageable, I think. It's just plot gaps. Like, why introduce a new character who doesn't have any impact on the overall story at all? Why have the entire casino bit, which was also totally irrelevant, unless you count, you know, oh, well, I guess there are bad things happening in the galaxy under the First Order. I mean, that's... No shit. Yeah, exactly. Why have the massive plot hole? I was this came up before talking about plot holes. Like, why have um, your Siri suit telling you, "Would you like to destroy the bad guy?" If you destroy the bad guy, you can just essentially end the film. Yeah. Why not tell Dameron what your giant plan is that you're going to go and land on the planet, and then therefore the whole middle segment wouldn't have happened, and then everything would have gone smoothly. Like, there are very basic plot holes in. That could have been easily. I just, I just, it baffles me that in this day and age, with the caliber of storytelling available in Hollywood, that you can write such a flawed narrative. But I think um, the main villain is sublime. I think the writing for, um, oh shit, too Kylo. much Jim. Kylo Ren. <laughs> I think the writing for Kylo Ren is really good. I think he's one of the better um, villains that the Star Wars universe has had. And I think that it's taken it into a new interesting direction. So moving away having the from having the Emperor Overlord bad guy. Um, yeah, I, and I've read a few uh, quite well-known, I think, um, analogies between Kylo Ren and the idea of um, mass shooters in America, that kind of angry young man who's had a fairly middle-class, you know, loving parents, maybe a little disinterested kind of upbringing, and has turned 
all of his little petty uh, grievances in his mind into this, this burning hatred. And then he, he takes it out in one big violent blast and then kind of regrets it afterwards, but doesn't know how to ba- come back from it. And yeah. so it's, it's an interesting kind of new antagonist. But I, I, I stand by, I think next movie, hopefully. We'll save it. Yeah, I kind of agree that it's interesting to have it be the, it's very kind of relevant to have it be the, the kind of like white boy who thinks he's oppressed um, be kind of the the villain. Hmm? And I think that's very relevant. But I guess my biggest takeaway was I think it has some of the best scenes of any Star Wars movie. Individual okay. scenes, like the scene with um, Kylo and Rey fighting in Emperor Snoke's um, chambers. Glorious. The scene, you didn't like it as much, but the scene, like the reveal of Luke at the end, that he wasn't really there, loved it. But the overall pacing and some of the narrative choices, not so much. I think that's what made, I mean, all the way through, I kept on flip-flopping. I'd be sitting through a scene being like, this is the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. And then they go to another scene and be like, this is the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. Like, it was just... Inconsistent place inconsistent yeah yeah i think my i keep stealing this from some review that i read of it but like there was a great like 90 minute movie in that like 140 minute movie yeah agreed like if they hadn't i don't know it felt like they almost tried to stretch it or something i don't know so some of the scenes incredible overall as a movie yeah missed them i think they try to fit fit too much try to bring in too many new uh narratives and furry little animals too yeah exactly Do you know the thing though? I can't get. What is that? It's a little, the little puffin toy. <laughs> the thing. You thought that was you. Thought that was you. What really bothers me about the Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie, is the hardcore fans and how they're like there. Uh, grievances with it, like the fact that apparently the thing that's getting them all uh, pissy is uh, Chewbacca being a vegetarian. Apparently that's the thing that's really bothering them about it because Chewbacca is a kind of war, he only eats meat, rah, 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 this has been established in, in the other movies. I mean, I just, yeah. So another one was... Um, that, right, the fact that Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker is... Uh, a defeated old man when his character has all the way uh, through being like the new hope for the Jedi. And it's like, you're going to pick on those bits and not the other bits. I mean, and that part made it interesting. What did you want Luke to be? Just like this, this like paragon of Jedi virtue. Yeah. If he was the same guy, he would have been with Leia all that time in the war room. Like he wouldn't, he would have been present from the beginning of the reboot. We went to this movie night the other night and there was this guy who was like, talking about how uh, 7 and 8 were the worst Star Wars movies ever and all the stuff. And I, like, almost fought him, but I was a little bit tired, so I didn't. But he was definitely, like, neo-Nazi living in his mom's basement. Like, he was pretending it was because, like, Han Solo, like, didn't have the right fucking vest or something. And I just wanted to be like, are you a Trump fan? Are you just saying this because there was, like, a girl and people of color? And, oh, next time we see him, if he brings it up again, I'm going to fight him. Calm down. They're neckbeards. Exactly. Yes, neards. It's, it's, it's that, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not emotionally attached to it in the way that I am about other fandoms. I've seen all the movies, I've rewatched them, I enjoy them, I look forward to the new movies coming out. But if they change certain aspects of different can, canonical characters, I'm not going to 
you know, cry and bitch and create my own woman free edit of the movie. Have you seen that? Bullshit. Some guy who edited out every single woman or reference of women in the movie and even the director was kind of like, this is an example of pure bullshit. Like, it's just awful. I also think that, um, like, it's a little bit different if it's an adaptation from a book where, like, they Mm. have legitimately changed something. If they're just changing, like, what you had in your mind, that's nobody's fucking problem but yours. Like... If, like, they're trying to make it interesting and make these characters still relevant, like, if they're not exactly how you imagined them, then, like, go write some fanfiction and stop bitching. Yeah. The biggest issue yeah. with Luke Skywalker that I'm now remembering is that he brushes his shoulder off. I liked that, and that part. Scene, that's, like, a popular culture reference. That's as if they would make, like, a Backstreet Boys or NSYNC reference or something within Star Wars. Just have him go bye-bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of rankled as well. And the whole, uh, the gag when um, Poe Dameron calls the... Thank you, the... Jen. I almost walked out of the movie. I was like, they're showing the blooper reel or something. I'm in the wrong movie. This is Spaceballs. I was like, has this also been directed by the director of Thor? Like, it had that real contemporary uh, sci-fi fantasy meets... I hear a segue comic. coming. She mentioned Thor. Um... But then I actually went home and, and rewatched all the other Star Wars movies. There are lots of cheesy gags throughout the That's what I said. In the seventh movie, the very beginning is is um, Poe going, do you talk first? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? It's like the same type of thing. Yeah, it, it's just, it's, uh, you know, laugh it up, fuzzball, one of my favorite lines ever. Yeah. But it's, it's shit. Like, it's all the way through. And... And to pretend, that they, to pretend that the original trilogy wasn't corny as fuck is just being disingenuous to the original trilogy. Of course. Yeah. Anyways. Shall we segue to Thor? Well, Tobey Maguire will always be the correct Spider-Man, so. No. Hmm. Yeah. No. Um, so the other movie we're going to talk about, we're doing a bit of a Marvel double feature. So we are going to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Did I say it right? Mm. Why can't you pronounce it? I don't know. Thor number three. Um, yeah. Do you want to give a, a bit of a summary of this one, Jen? Sure. I've seen this once, guys. I remember a lot of Kiwi accents, a lot of hilarious jokes. Um, oh, my God. Again. Oh, what's his name? What's his name? Taika Watiti. Chris Hemsworth. No, she's trying to think of Jeff Goldblum, I bet. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ben. <laughs> you guys are connecting that you're vibing i get i love it thank you excellent love it every time he appears in a movie now, like, you need to go watch jeff goldblum on graham norton because he is he is exactly have you seen it yeah i <laughs> love it um he's just so, playing himself yeah. in space yeah yep i love it I did feel like this movie kind of towed the line of being just a little bit too funny and a little bit too cheeky like there was more gag than plot yeah I, you know, it's what uh, the director wanted to do with it. It's, it's, it was charming. I'm gonna say it was charming. Kate Blanchett was excellent. It was an interesting twist on the original. I, I don't, I, I haven't read the comics. So I'm not sure, but I do know a little bit about Norse mythology. This is an interesting twist on Norse mythology um, because originally Kate Blanchett's character, I'm pretty sure. She was the spawn of Loki. Loki had three demon children. One of them was her character, was Hela. One of them was a giant snake and one of them was a giant wolf and they ended up devouring the world at the end of days at Ragnarok. So it's an interesting twist on that kind of aspect of it. 
Um, yeah, so, oh, summary. Yeah, so something about Thor is, oh, there was the Led Zeppelin song at the beginning of the movie, yeah. huge Led Zeppelin fan. Or like, there are so many moments I was like, this is exactly what I want from a film. The Matt Damon so, cameo is good up front too early in the movie. Exactly. So they started off with Thor fighting a giant thing on a different planet. Then he loses his powers. And then Benedict Cumberbatch is like, hey, I'm randomly in this movie now. Um, <laughs> and I have an American accent. It's real strange. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tie-in. <laughs> just, just in case you forgot that uh, Doctor Strange was a person. Just in case you so forgot they, they whitewashed that character. Here we are. Uh, threw him in there and he threw Thor and Loki to go and meet up with their father Odin who was dissipating into the cosmos. I've been falling for 30 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. Lots of funny jokes. And then they get sent through and then they get introduced to their sister that, uh, do they know about her by the way? I've forgotten if they knew about her. Like five minutes prior to her kicking their ass. They didn't know about they got through, thrown into some kind of vortex and they got separated. Thor wakes up and it was, what was it? It was called an anus, wasn't it? Was it yeah, called an the anus? The devil's anus. The devil's anus, yeah. There you are. They were thrown <laughs> yeah. into the devil's anus and uh, were ejected from it unceremoniously at different points in time uh, onto a planet that is run by Jeff Goldblum and they meet some fun and quirky characters there. And then they go to take uh, their planet on a hill thing back. What's it called? Yeah. Um, Son of Odin, they go to... Um, Vol- Not Voltron, though. I was going to say Valeris, but that's from a different series. No. Oh! They go there. Valhalla? Valhalla? I think that's in the Norse mythology. Yeah, I don't think, think that's in the movie. I think any of these words are right. Asgard. 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 Thank you. He's wandering back and forth getting bread. Knows the answer the entire time. Doesn't say anything. (laughs) What's Valeris from? Is that Game of Thrones? I don't know. What is Valeris? So interestingly, she skipped over the Hulk in her summary, which for me could have happened in the movie. I could have done without all of the Hulk bits. Oh, Hulk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we kind of wanted to know why he wasn't in the Captain America movie, so they filled that gap. Yeah. Um, Hulk got a buzz cut. <laughs> More importantly, Chris Hemsworth finally cut his hair, and he looks so much hotter with short hair. And now he has to be blind for the rest of the movies, though. Half-blind. Yeah. No death perception. I reckon the half-blind thing was added in very much, like, at the last minute, because in all of the... Uh, posters and pre-release media, they showed him in his little lightning glory at the very end with two eyes, with two glowing eyes. And then suddenly in the film, maybe they just did it for like the whole non-spoiler thing in eyesight, but still. He pays attention. <laughs> and, then, and then they win, but then Asgard gets blown up and then they're floating around on a spaceship and then they bump into the Guardians of the Galaxy and scene. So I didn't mind the fact that it was like a little bit too many jokes possibly because the first two Thors took themselves, especially the first one, took themselves so seriously that I found this one really refreshing because the first Thor, like it should be funny, but it doesn't like give it room to breathe. Like it takes itself so serious. Like he's this serious warrior from this other dimension and everything is serious and he can't take a joke. So I love that they let him like evolve and be funny. And Chris Hemsworth has like pretty decent comedic timing. 
He does. He really does. So when they kind of like let him go and let him like poke fun at the character as he's playing it, I found that so much more enjoyable and just like the general atmosphere of it was so much more lighthearted. Like it was still a serious topic, like literally the end of the world of this specific planet, but it was, it, it took, it didn't take itself very seriously. And I appreciate that because that's what I thought the other Thor movies were missing. I feel like there's a lot of ad-libbing. Yeah, a lot of it was improv, I think. Especially the the funniest, or like the one that was most obviously improv was the one about Chris Hemsworth saying that Loki turned himself into, into, into a snake and that he loves snakes and he picked up the snake and then he turned back into, a, like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed yeah. their dynamic. <laughs> Let's do get help. Yeah. Let's do get help. So <laughs> I also, I, the second time we saw it, I just about died every single time Korg was on screen. Taika Watiti's character, like the big rock guy. Oh, shit, yes. I just, See, like, literally I, couldn't even handle it. I, I I watched the movie and I was like, to Australian and New Zealand audiences, a lot of it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm kind of like, it's great that the rest of the world gets to see very specific Kiwi humour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you guys liked it? I pretty much fell off my chair every time Korg was on screen. I just, I can't even, he was just the best. He's so funny, just his mannerisms and his, like, delivery. Oh, the yeah, lines. Doug's dead. <laughs> we do that. It's so good. It's so good. So it um and I know a lot of the actresses he used as well his um the woman who is Jeff Goldblum's offsider, the yeah. one who's in Yeah, she's the- from um The Hunt for the Wilder People. Have you seen that? She is. she is, yeah, yeah. Um uh and I'm pretty sure the Valkyrie is a Kiwi as well. And Carl Urban. Sure. Carl Urban's a Kiwi. Carl Urban's a Kiwi, so it felt very kind of homegrown local. Um, so I really like that too. And, um, also like the, I didn't, I had to read about this because I didn't realize it, but a lot of it is like, um, like indigenous Australian, um, nods and uh, references as well. Like her ship is like the flag, like the, um, indigenous flag. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. No, you have to rewatch like- it. Cause I read this article about all the different like references and like names and just like the colors and the symbols and stuff are very much like indigenous um inspired or and and he, i read an article about basically he was trying to be very cautious so it was not cultural appropriation like he wasn't just stealing like this to put it on that but he was like trying to at the same time be inspired by it and kind of give homage to some of the indigenous um like indigenous i don't know what i'm trying to say well they filmed it in australia they filmed too, it in so australia it was a very too, so very film of that that area. So basically trying not to just make it like, you know, white Australian jokes with Chris Hemsworth, but trying yeah. to like be respectful of indigenous Australians that are traditional landowners as well. Exactly. I think it's it's certainly possible to do. I think a lot of people are too frightened to attempt it though. Um, or maybe not. Frightened might, might not be the word. They say they're frightened, but I think it, it just means that there's a lot more work involved. If you're not indigenous, you have to talk to a lot of different people and you have to be especially considerate. And I think people are just not willing to put all the time and effort into doing yeah. that. So. And there is that kind of fine balance between like ripping off indigenous culture to make money and trying to be um, respectful and trying to include that in the film. Like there's a, a balance there. I'm looking it up now. But also like the, the whole message is very like anti-colonialism. Like, like don't, take over other cultures and uh, don't imprison people and anti-slavery and all of that. So like the kind of messages of that are there as well. Well, they're universal themes, I think, for most and, of us now. 
Sorry. We were just talking about Star Wars, and I think that it was kind of a stark comparison to Star Wars because I think like the whole casino thing, like like we talked about in Star Wars, was so obvious and in your face and like after school special preachy about like well about like don't enslave people don't let white people profit off war and then this i thought thor 3 was the opposite thor thought thor 3 was kind of like how like the right way to do it like have it be a message like an overarching message of the film but not hit you in the face with it it was very heavy-handed and i think as well like in order to do that with a character you have to have some kind of emotional attachment to it and they didn't spend the time or energy properly cultivating that for is it rosie yeah, Rose. Yeah. You don't care that much about her, to be honest. By the time you get to the casino, you barely just met her. Yeah, she's another feisty chick. But to suddenly be forced into a position where you're meant to care about her backstory, like you don't care about her because yeah. you barely – you don't know her. Yeah. Um, yeah. The – my – Probably only complaints about the movie. I love this movie. I should have prefaced with the, that with this. This with that. Whew. I should have prefaced this by saying I really, really enjoyed this movie. Even the second time, I, like, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a lot. It's pretty much everything I like about a superhero movie and not a lot of stuff I didn't like it. I could kind of, like, take or leave the whole Hela plot, but that's, like, the whole point of the movie, I suppose. But, like, her scenes, like, I didn't really care as much about. My one major complaint is another science thing. <laughs> if Thor can conduct lightning over his whole body, why the fuck was being tased? Such a big plot line. They should have picked some other way to incapacitate him because if, like, the end of the movie, the climax hinges on him being able to conduct lightning and, like, be a conduit for lightning through his whole body, why the fuck is this being Plus, tased? Plus, he's him? the god of thunder, not the god of lightning. Look, you can explain it away, but I, I think the point is that if you have to have an explanation and rationalize it, and it's not obvious enough. Like, I mean, you could explain it by saying, well, his powers were currently latent because he couldn't access his powers. I don't care. And if he can wield lightning through his hammer, he shouldn't be able to be tased. Right. And I mean, exactly. He's, an, he's, an, he's a super being. I'm not going to say he's a god because they don't portray them as gods. They just portray them as different kinds of beings. But he should be able to deal with that. But couldn't his yeah. powers be different on different planets if they're in a different atmosphere with different types of electricity? Mm. Maybe it was like it was meant to be ironic in the sense that he's the god of, of thunder, but also lightning. Mm. Um, but he can't take a, a simple little taste. Like maybe it was meant to demonstrate the complete. Thunder and lightning is kind of the same thing. Though. Yeah. Thunder's just the sound that lightning makes. Yeah. Um, maybe it was to point out how how far gone his powers were. Nope, not buying it. Stupid. Pick something else. Pick another way to incapacitate him if you need a plot point. Like, making him be tased makes no sense because that's just electricity and lightning is electricity. It makes no sense. And being tased would be less electricity than bolts of lightning. True. I worked in a lightning room. Fight me. They need to bring you on set for the next one. Yeah, they one. should have had me as a consultant, and I would have told them that was stupid. There you go. Um, but other than that, I really, really liked it. I think it's a fun... I think it's one of the most, like, enjoyable superhero movies for me to watch, because I think, especially, like you were saying, the Avengers 1 have started taking themselves, like, a little bit too seriously, or have started to kind of up the ante so much that there's too many characters and too much going on. And I thought this story was, like, decently straightforward, it had enough characters to keep interesting, but not too many to keep track of. Like, the new characters were fantastic. Like, Tessa Netting, like, the Valkyrie lady, like, beautiful by goddess. She was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and we already know kind of what Valkyries are as well. The the clever thing about Thor and a lot of the other Marvel movies, but especially Thor, is that it relies on our kind of generalized knowledge of Norse mythology. So he didn't have to go too much into what a Valkyrie was because there's a lot that we already kind of assume about it. She's a warrior kind of thing. A couple flashbacks and you like feel the emotional connection. Like it didn't need a whole lot of explanation or um, exposition. That's it. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it too. I look forward to rewatching it. I had a lot of fun rewatching it. I obviously, like we talked about before, any superhero movie is going to be like a little bit slower the second time you watch it because you know what happens. So you're not kind of like anticipating as much. But, like, I find a lot of the jokes just as funny, and I was, like, looking forward to some of the jokes and to some of the scenes. So I I actually think I enjoyed the rewatch of Thor more than I enjoyed the rewatch of Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, I just so. was reading through a few reviews of it, because I had it before. The comic book boys do not like this movie. Of course they don't. All. Fuck them. Ooh. How did Taika Waititi even get this job? I think the other Thor movies were so law that they just said let's do some weird shit with this one and i guess if it's filmed in australia they probably want maybe a local director localish localish that southern hemisphere we have a bad habit in australia for 100 percent claiming the kiwi actors directors artists as our own as soon A-N-Z. as they do something good we're like yep no they're australian Same yeah thing. and zed the like generic asia pacific yeah. antipodean yes um, do you have any upcoming things? No, I use them on my news updates. Oh, I have a couple upcoming things. Speaking of Australian things, um, this is going to be a new Crocodile Dundee movie. I heard this. Apparently also has a Hemsworth in it. So Chris Hemsworth is in it, and I, he is like my biggest celebrity crush at the moment, so mm. I'm fine with him being in shit, and he this actually is funny. Danny McBride thing? Yes. So Danny McBride. Do you know who Danny McBride is? What's he in? Um, things Down that she Easter, would know. East Downers. Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and um, Down. Vice Principals. Mm. He's been a bunch of HBO kind He's of an show. ugly, funny guy. You probably recognize him. Anyway, he is meant to be like Crocodile Dundee's like American fat, awkward son. Okay. And like he shows up in Australia for some reason, and Chris Hemsworth is like his Australian guide. Uh huh. I don't know. Now, I don't want to mansplain you, but I heard today that this is a gimmick. It's actually just a Super Bowl commercial. It's all is leading it? to a Super Bowl. It's not a real movie. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Okay. See, I feel like, as an Australian, we don't care that much about the Crocodile Dundee movies. Mm. I feel like Americans care about them a lot more than we do. That's the American impression of Australia is based like, probably 80% on the Crocodile Dundee movies. Plus Steve Irwin. And the other 20% on Steve Irwin. Yeah. I mean, we find them, I think the only way we find them enjoyable is because we're watching ourselves through your eyes, and that's why it's funny to us, because yeah. we're like, oh, that's what Americans think Australians are. <laughs> and 100% Paul Hogan was aware of that as well when he agreed to do it, when he had his input. He was like, yeah, no, I've had this said to me so many times, let's put it in the movie. But we're not kind of like, this is genuinely Australia. Well, Sorry. all I remember about Paul Hogan from when we were in Australia is there was, like, that terrible TV, made-for-TV movie about him, and the guy that played Paul Hogan doesn't look nothing like him, had the worst blonde wig. Yeah, we like to pretend we have some kind of culture in our country, and they always, they pick, they pick the worst bits of it, so they have, like, bad B-list Australian celebrities impersonating other B-list Australian celebrities. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically what it was. So, yes, this is viral marketing 
uh, for Australian tourism, actually. Huh. Really? Interesting. Mm. Well, everyone we talk to here says that the Australia's on, Australia and New Zealand are on their bucket list. Mostly New Zealand, but maybe Australia, too, mm. is on their bucket list and they all want to visit. I mean, why? I mean, would you guys promote us or would you just be like, eh, it's just another place to live? No, I usually, like, have positive things to say about it. Like, we usually kind of say, like, the actual living there, like, the city isn't, like, dramatically different from a city here. But, like, some of the sites, like, if you actually want to go, like, into the outback or go on the Great Ocean Road or something like that, like, it's it's worthwhile. I mean, yeah, I think I feel kind of quietly pleased that people want to come here. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, it's a bit boring, though. My life's pretty average. But everyone feels way about where they live <laughs> yeah i think that's true no matter where you live you get a little bit bored of it that's it um one more like upcoming thing i have that i thought would be relevant to jen have you heard anything about a third blade runner movie did you ever see the second one no the what? second one I, never, I know i have got to see it because no one i know know in melbourne once you guys moved away had any inclination to see it we're sorry so we didn't really want to see it even if we were still there though it's recently come on one of the streaming services so the other night I was choosing between watching Blade Runner 2 and Battle of the Sexes with Steve Carell and yeah. Emma Stone in it and we watched Battle of the Sexes which Did you like really... it? We watched that one yeah, Did you I expect it. that much lesbian sex? I expected an amount of lesbian sex because <laughs> Billie Jean King has been vocal in her criticism of Margaret Court recently so and I know why as well so I was kind of, it wasn't as much as I was expecting, to be honest. Really? Like was, I thought it was like lesbian awakening story, P.S. also tennis. It was. Like, it was a bit of kissing and stroking, but it wasn't much else. Like, you thought it'd be more explicit. <laughs> it could have been, but then it was, would have also detracted from the tennis story. Have you, I was so impressed with how close Steve Carell actually looks to Billy Riggs, uh, Bobby Riggs. It looks so similar. They do. She said Billy Riggs too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the way Steve Carell looks or whether they do something I with his hair. knew nothing about Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs, any of that at all. So it was all very new to me, which was interesting because, like, obviously it's a bit more fun to watch if you don't actually. I mean, I, I knew the outcome, but I didn't know any of the in-between. I had no idea as well. No, I, I knew about, I only knew about them from the promotion of the movie. Hmm. Hadn't heard of them before. So yeah, it was really like, cool. I heard of Billie Jean King, but I just feel like if I had known about her when I was like in elementary school, I would have been like all about doing her for like class projects and stuff. Like when you had to like do an autobiography project, like it's got to be some homophobia that I'd never heard about her and got to like dress up as her. I think so. I think so. Like early 90s homophobia, because I would have been all about like girl power, female, like athlete. Exactly. So Yeah. I think that was a good movie. What were we talking about before, though? Oh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yes, so supposedly there's going to be, there's like been talks about her doing a third Blade Runner movie, but I didn't think the second one did that well, so I don't know. I've heard mixed things. I was talking to the guy that makes my coffee who uh, likes to talk about the same films that I enjoy watching, and he, um, it's just a guy that makes my coffee. No, no, in the city before work. Um, Is it the same guy that I told you to ask for a number? No. Oh. He's, the, he's, the, he's the barista who always talks to his customers who always come in, like his regular sure. customers. Yeah. The conversation he has with each of them, and the conversation he has with me is the movies we've watched recently. And um, 
So we're talking about that and he's seen it and he was kind of like, he really, really enjoyed it. But it sounds like if you're a fan of Blade Runner, you would enjoy it and the critics didn't enjoy it so much because, yeah, I think it's just one of those movies. Yeah, but the critics enjoy Star Wars. So... Do they? Yeah. Yeah. They got a 98% rating from critics before it was released. Higher than the audience rating. That's surprising. That's surprising. Well, you, when you watch Blade Runner, you let us know, because we are not big fans of the original, so you let us know what you think when you watch it. I will. I mean, every time I watch the original Blade Runner movie, I'm just like, I see why people don't like it, but I still really love it. Well, I need, to read, that... I need to read The Dreams of Electric Sheep. I got it free for Christmas, mm-hmm. so I need to read it sometimes. Maybe I'll have a different Some source material. I, I need to finish it. I got about halfway through it. It's like a 100-page book. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I have a very short attention span. <laughs> well, let us know what you think when you wa- if you ever watch it next time you watch it. I will. I will. Do you have any other It'll upcoming things? I don't think so. Jenna, do you have any upcoming things? Um, I really want to see I, Tonya. Bro, like, we, really, just, we saw that this week. That will get you back on the ice, Jen, right That's away. That's true. That'll be your ice skating uh, inspiration. Because since the movie has been promoted, I've been reading a lot about the Tonya Harding story, and it sounds like a fun movie to go and see. And I love Alice and Jenny as well, yep. and everything she's doing. Alice and Jenny is um, fucking fantastic, and Margot Robbie is really good too. Robbie. Yep. Um, I, I kind of want to see Molly's Game, because the shorts looked interesting for that. I'm not a huge uh, fan of the actress, but I, the movie looks pretty good. Yeah. We actually saw, have you guys seen Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri? No, and I didn't have a lot of interest in it. Was it good? It was really good. It was very dark humour, though. So it was it was humorous in the way that people can be humorous in times of great tragedy. Yeah. But it, it's, you can see why Frances McDormand and Sam Rockwell are constantly being nominated for shit in it because it's it's a good movie. It's an interesting one, too, because it's received a lot of criticism because Sam Rockwell's character is deeply racist and he mm-hmm. keeps them being nominated uh-huh. and homophobic and he keeps them being nominated for awards for it and people have – there's been a certain level of outcry about it. But um, I'm not I'm not specifically sure what they're crying out about I it. Seen it. I've seen it on Twitter and all the bullshit there. It's literally people being like, oh, my God, it's a racist character. They shouldn't be – like glorifying it and it's like that's not the point like he gets pretty fucked up because like of his actions point of it is to show that that's what you're not supposed to be like it's done that way in the movie he, his actions are deeply disturbing and you're sitting there the entire time going oh my god people that live in the south and other parts of america and other parts of the world they probably do think this way but then at the same time you still kind of sympathize with him in funny ways like he hasn't He's not a, he's, he's a kind of a sad, he's a sad clown kind of character. He's a bit stupid. Like he's not a villain. And he hopes, but yeah, but he, he's not the villain of the piece either. And he kind of redeems himself a little bit towards the end, but he's still a deeply questionable character. And you're still like, I still wouldn't want to shake hands with this person. Yeah. But it's an interesting kind of discussion about people who are questionably racist or bigoted because I think in this day and age, you can't just point to people in the street and say, oh, they're a racist, I'm not going to go near them. There are people that you work with and that you see every day you might not know are racist or bigoted and you still have to interact with them and live around them in a way. And there are people who, you know, you kind of get along with and then they say something and you're like, oh, 
I don't know if I want to socialise with this person anymore. It's a very extreme version of that, but it, it, it discusses, I guess, the complexity of people. Well, and that's very topical and because that's exactly how it's been since the election. It's like, you know, I'm from a small town where, you know, everyone's really nice. Everyone's, you know, you know everybody. Everybody knows my dad. Everyone's like my brother's friend's parents kind of thing. And like overwhelmingly Trump won my town. And like that kind of thing. And it's like people that you interact with on a regular basis, you now have to kind of catch yourself and you're like, do I want to be kind of polite here and not bring up the thing? Or should I just say what I believe because people shouldn't be racist? And you do have that kind of in between of like, these people aren't bad people, but are they, are they complicit with racism just because it doesn't bother them or it doesn't affect them? But then you're also very aware that we're saying this and we have this opinion because we're, we privilege from our white privilege. Absolutely. But, and so you can kind of see that if you were an African-American or if you're a gay person, why they would just be like 100% no, they're a terrible person. I don't want anything to do with them. And I can totally get that as well. You yeah. know? It depends on your perspective. And I guess you're kind of, you sit there watching this character thinking if he was my brother or cousin, or best friend, how far could you excuse his behaviour and at what point would you just be like, I can't be around you anymore? Yeah. And is the redeeming thing you do later on in the, in the narrative enough? Is that and it is for it? it? Yeah. But, it, but it, it still redeems him to a certain it, – it stops him from being 100% an evil person and it still humanises him just enough to make you feel uncomfortable about – the fact that he's been humanized as a character. Yeah, and about what would you do in real life if this was someone that you knew? Like, is it enough to... Because for most people, like, even if you know someone that supports Trump, it's not enough to, like, cut them out of your life, but it's enough to make you uncomfortable around them and not knowing how much to call them out and how much to ignore it. And, yeah. Exactly. And, and I love Frances McDormand, once again, in everything she does. She's an incredible actress. So she's always a pleasure to watch when she's really on when she's really putting everything into a role and she absolutely does with this role. I've wanted to see this movie since I saw the trailers about a year ago. So it, it certainly lived up to my expectations. Well, I wasn't um, very interested in seeing it, but now you've got me a bit interested. Um, <laughs> did you see Lady Bird? That's another one we have to talk about on the podcast sometime. I haven't. I don't know if it's out yet here, but it, it's another one that's been nominated. Lady Bird. We saw, yeah, we did. We saw the shorts for it. It's the first trailer we saw when we went to see Three Billboards. It's, uh, Saoirse it's the one with Saoirse Ronan. Um, we, I, I liked the look of it, but the trailer we saw, it felt like we watched the entire movie in five minutes. Yeah, I So we're kind that. of like, uh, do we really need to see it now? Yeah. I had high expectations for it, and I really wanted to see it, and I didn't. I thought it was fine. It's a very good, solid, like, teen movie, but I didn't think it was as unique and as, like, amazing and, uh, you know, um, groundbreaking mm -hmm. that a lot of people seem to think it is. Yeah, I kind of I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks entertaining and interesting and it shows many nuances of, of teenagers and their relationship with their parents and people around them, but what's it actually trying to say in the end? Yeah, that's how I exactly felt yeah. about it, was that, like, it was a good teen movie, but I didn't think it tried to say anything that other teen movies hadn't already said. And, I mean, I I thought the acting was quite good, and, like, um, what's her name? I'm looking it up right now. Lori, the mom. Yeah, Metcalf. Lori yeah. Metcalf. I thought she was very, very good in it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I thought it was 
if you go into it thinking this is just going to be kind of a quirky teen movie, you'll like it. If you go into it thinking, wow, award show potential, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. Right. Okay. Good to know. I think that one, I'll wait for it to come out. Well, there's our Oscars preview for you. I know. Extra Oscars preview with special guest Jen. There you go. (laughs) You heard it here here first, folks. I don't think I have any other Oscars stuff. It's going to win the Best Actress Oscar. You think so? When is the Oscars? A couple weeks in February, I think. After the Super Bowl? Yeah. Who you got in the Super Bowl, Jen? Oh, who's playing? <laughs> You're, the correct answer is New England. New, isn't that a, a tradition now? Don't New England play every year? <laughs> I like that you think that. On the pitch, yes, they do. Uh, our team has been to the Super Bowl many times. We are very lucky, yes. Jen saw them win one year. Oh, yeah, she was there our, with us. On the telly. I did. I remember there were barbecue wings present, um, and we were in a pub full of Americans. Yeah, I love yeah, you were there too. It was, um, no, 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 you saw one of the games before at the uh, casino. I went to I see the Super Bowl later. I would say that it is, you guys in America are probably not aware of how you view sports, but it's extremely, I would go to watch a American football match with Americans to watch the Americans watching the football match. <laughs> it is a study <laughs> of American culture for sure. <laughs> like we kind of, I can't. Um, I, I feel like it's in Australia where we watch sport, you kind of sit there in silence and there might be a few kind of withheld, ooh, and then right yeah. at the very end, the climax, you're like, come on, dickhead, make the goal. But then in America, it's just all the way through. Yeah. It's high, amazing. Just chaos. Guys, like, I remember when the first one I saw at the casino with Steve was there was you guys and Steve. You guys were pacing around the room. <laughs> You were talking to the players. It was so much fun. We were just like, this is the best. Steven, you missed uh, you missed Bennett at the Super Bowl. Mm. Like in that bar, he was going around like uh, like antagonizing random Australians wearing different jerseys. I was like sitting on the bar. I don't even know. Oh my god, it's so good. So good. It brings out the best of you guys. <laughs> I don't know about the best, but I'm glad you find it amusing. Uh, which is great, because I know you get, like, vocal and competitive when you're knitting something. So the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I need to show you my knit. We can finish the podcast yeah, first. Let's right? the podcast. <laughs> I'll edit this out. All right, so to okay. recap, we talked about a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Jen's going to get back on the ice. She's going to be at the Winter Olympics representing Australia Harding. in 2022. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. Um, this has been the longest podcast probably that we've had so far. We're going to need yeah. to do a bit of editing on this one. Um, I keep getting longer every time. I know. Well, we just had like a bit of a catch up with you during the middle of this podcast. So all of our, um, all of our rabid fans are going to have to just bear with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I think I'm out of upcoming stuff. So um, I guess you can follow us at DB Get Down on Twitter if you want to uh, catch some of the links that we talked about. Yeah. Um, Jen, you don't have like a Twitter or anything, right? No, I have an Instagram now. Where can the people find you on Instagram? I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I have it probably. It's, 
Just look up Jennifer. They'll find you. I'm sure there's only a couple. Jen down under. Abstract Um, underscore Jen with two N's. As in abstract Jen. (laughs) So clever you are. So clever. And I mainly take uh, fake foodie pictures. So I deliberately take bad pictures of ugly looking food that's been half eaten. Um, And you say you're not a hip, Jen. Yeah. And I also like to draw key moments from RuPaul's Drag Race episodes on my whiteboard. So if that sounds up your alley, follow abstract underscore Jen on Instagram. I, I She's post, also just been uh, just casually churning out these like amazing digital artwork things. I know that's a lie. In the last couple of days, I um I post like maybe once every two months, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep you in anticipation, keep you waiting. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jen. We've missed you terribly, so it's really nice to have you on the podcast. And for our listeners, will be entertained to hear those Australian accents again. Yeah. And um, thank you, Stephen, for just yelling random things from the corner. Welcome. (laughs) And um, we will see you guys next time. All right, bye. All right, see you later. We gotta get down when they get down. Well, now get down, get down, get down, get down, get down. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down.